Playlist with Ben and Fiona. Mix of Polish folk and hot jazz. (laughs) Welcome to The Playlist, where we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my co-host, SBS channel manager, Ben Nguyen. Hey, Ben. Hey, Fee. How you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? Good. It was uh, good fun to get a few podcasts out of our system last week. (laughs) Yes, we sure pumped them out there. Yes. But uh, this week on the playlist, a first-time filmmaker spooks Emily Mortimer, Robin Nevin and Bella Heathcote in new Australian horror flick Relic. The heiress and the Salisbury poisonings get a watch and we press play on our SBS On Demand picks. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, lot to get through. Let's do it. Sophie, um, cinemas have reopened their doors, but not all films are making their way to the big screen. No, and sadly not all cinemas are reopening. Hello to our friends in Melbourne. Um, mm. Yes, so there were a bunch of films that were destined for cinemas that have had to, you know, they've gone to home streaming platforms. You know, we, we spoke about Hearts and Bones a little while back. Yeah, um, yeah you know, it's, it's great that audiences still have the option to see films and it's great that distributors still get to put their film somewhere. And this one has been out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about Relic, which um, is one of those films that has landed on Stan um, because Stan is one of the platforms that's been going on a bit of an acquisition spree and um, has found a home for some of these films that were meant for cinemas. Mm, yeah, and so you tore off your ticket stub to uh, to get along to this, so to speak, and um, tell us what you thought. Tell us about the movie. Yeah, well, um, this one is a horror and it's a really good one. Um, so it's an Australian film and it's uh, set in, as many spooky films start, it's set in a spooky old house, a creaky spooky house where a woman who is a mum and a grandmother has gone missing. So her daughter and granddaughter come to have a look for where she might have disappeared to because she's showing signs of dementia. So, of course, they're fearing that she's gone somewhere and can't remember how to get home. Um, But then things, like that's a good premise for a film, that's a dramatic premise, but uh, then the spooky stuff kicks in when she returns and has some weird bruising and the house shows signs that there's something else going on in this house. Yeah, just some sinister overtones start kicking in. And um, it's clear that there is something really wrong going on in this spooky old house that has strange rooms and they're feeling very boxed in and this strange house that has this never-ending architecture. There's new rooms being found, there's dead ends and just very confusing floor plan of this big old spooky house. Did I mention that at all, that it's big and spooky? And, yeah, what, what transpires is this incredible story that, ultimately becomes quite affecting and I did not expect to shed a little tear but there you go I did and had some pretty good scares in there as well as some of the best horror films are it becomes this beautiful metaphor for the dementia that the mum herself is experiencing and the house itself in a way it becomes confusing and the floor plan of the house is is very much what comes to the fore here I loved it and it also freaked me out (laughs) but um yeah I felt it was a really heartfelt depiction of Alzheimer's for trying to explain what it must feel like, but also for the family who are affected by this as well. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, that does sound very clever. And I 
also can identify with being terrified of floor plans. Um, <laughs> let's take a listen to the trailer. When was the last time you spoke to her? It's been a few weeks. Gran? Mum? Mum! She called me a few weeks ago. I think she was scared. She thought someone was coming into the house. Do you know where you were, Mum? I suppose I went out. What's this? I was on the property when your grandfather inherited it. His mind wasn't there in the end. You can't put Gran in a home. She can't live on her own anymore. She has to be watched. Everything all right, Gran? I thought this was where it got in. Who? Whoever was coming into the house. Mum, what is it? It's here. Under the bed. There's nothing under the bed, Mum. Will you check for me? This house seems unfamiliar. So I notice it's a first-time filmmaker. She's um, made some shorts before, but this is her first time stepping up to feature length. Yes, um, Natalie Erica James um, is her name, and it's incredible. And, I mean, it, I guess it speaks to the fact that it does feel so authentic. It's inspired by her own story. Um, she's Japanese-Australian and it's brought by personal experience of her trip to see her grandmother in Japan and, unfortunately, not having a great connection when they finally met due to their Alzheimer's. So, you know, she's writing it from a place of being one of those family members. Yeah, that's really um, interesting. Affected, yeah, which adds another layer to it. Like it's, it's, yeah, it really explains why it's so, so well done. Yeah, it's a really elegant analogy. And I'd probably compare it in a little bit to the Babadook for um, fans who've seen that, not just because it's a female director at all, but it in the way that that is another wonderful horror movie that's a metaphor, the way that film deals with grief and how that can manifest for, for people who are struggling with it. So, yeah, if you like The Babadook, get on to Relic. It sounds very clever and um, exciting to have a new voice on the scene. Yeah. No, I can't wait to see what her next films are. Like, that's just, like to know it's a first film, very accomplished. All right, well, get in now and check out Relic. It's uh, streaming now on Stan. All right. Well, um, now I guess let's do a what you've been watching. Ben, what have you been watching? Well, I'm going to do a little bit of a preview of something that's coming up. It's a brand new drama coming soon to SBS called The Salisbury Poisonings. Uh-huh. And so this is a four-part series that tells the true story of what happened with the attempted Novichok assassination incident Back in 2018. The people who took ill are Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Sergei was a high-level MI6 agent. So what do we think it is? We don't know yet. Novichok 
It's one of the deadliest synthetic substances on Earth. Do not go in that house, repeat. Do not go in that house. Our job is to keep the people of Salisbury safe. <laughs> is it going be OK? <laughs> I don't know. Is Salisbury safe? Yes. I don't think I can do this, Ted. This is just too big. You're going to see this through, and so am I, no matter what it takes. Scruple was a Russian spy. These are an innocent man and woman fighting for their lives. You and your family are now at the center of an international incident. We don't know the source of contamination or have an established chain of events. All we do know is that for the people in Salisbury, we are their only line of defense. The Salisbury Poisonings starts Monday, 24th of August on SBS and On Demand. So... There's a few recognisable faces in this. Viewers will know Rafe Spall has been in almost everything. Um, Anne-Marie Duff, uh, who was uh, in the original Shameless. Sure was. But it's not sort of really a talent-driven piece. It's really about the ensemble and what happens within this community when two people were found poisoned and this threat of this killer substance became public knowledge and became this sort of something that the authorities had to try and deal with very, very quickly to prevent further potential loss of life. And I would compare it to something like Chernobyl in that similarly Chernobyl, I think the recent HBO adaptation wasn't particularly about any one sort of standout figure, but more about how a number of people managed that crisis. And I think it's a really interesting way of telling history stories, in this case, fairly recent history stories, in a very sort of chronological fashion and a very gripping fashion, kind of without, you know, much sensationalism because the way that ordinary people had to first try and understand what was happening and then find ways to deal with it are dramatic enough. Mm. Yeah, I remember all this. I mean, you know, it's not that long ago, although 2020 so it feels like it's been around for three years. But, um, yeah, 2018 is not that long ago. So I do remember all the news reports about this and, you know, talk of doorknobs and just like substances that were poisoned so that it was a tactile kind of a transmission, which is very relevant for all of us watching in 2020, I suppose, little pandemic connection there. Yeah, um, well, that, that I think is a, is a great point and it's, it's something which wasn't intentional in the making of this, which predates COVID, but it certainly resonates now, both this fear of some, you know, invisible killer that if you mm. don't protect yourself could sort of come into your home and threaten your health and, and life. Mm. And on top of that, just the way that the authorities, all they know is that this has potential to spread further and cause more loss of life. And, you know, in a, in a way it's something that they've been preparing for for their whole careers. This is the job that they're tasked with, but it can never be expected. And so they just sort of have to do the best with their kind of experience and, and knowledge and the the processes with which they're, they're armed with. So um, Anne-Marie Duff plays the kind of woman who is put in charge of a lot of the response. And so her drama is just the threat and, and stress and challenge of how to best manage this situation. Oh, sounds great. And when is it on? 
It is uh, launching on August 24th. So we're doing a, a special release on SBS across four nights, Monday to Thursday. And that's tied with another local SBS drama called Hungry Ghosts. So worth looking out for both of those in the coming month. Mm, that sounds good. And Fee, what have you been watching? Well, um, in my ongoing series of watching the films of people we've just lost, um, we lost Olivia de Havilland last week at the ripe old age of 104. Yeah, long life but, you know, sad loss. Yes, and she packed a lot into it. Um, Of course, she's well known for Gone with the Wind, but, yeah, an incredible career and One of the hallmarks of her legacy is that she um, is responsible for some changes to labour laws in um, California uh, due to a dispute she had with the studio Warner Brothers who had her locked into a contract and she wanted out (laughs) because she wanted the right to say no to some films and still have a career. So, yeah, she won that and there's now there's a De Havilland law about contracting. Um, So, you know, trailblazer in that respect too. But um, she won a couple of Oscars in her career and one of them was for The Heiress, which I watched. <laughs> That's why I'm bringing it up. Um, and sadly, it's not available on any streaming platforms. I did try, but um, there's trailers on YouTube, which you should absolutely watch. But I picked up the DVD at JB Hi-Fi. Good old physical media. you got to hold on to your physical media, Ben. We've had this discussion. M- more and more when I go to watch classic films and I can't find them on any services, I'm becoming aware of this point. This is all I'm saying. (laughs) I've got a couple of DVD players if you need one. Um, So The Heiress, I didn't actually know a lot about it when I picked it up. I just heard it was very good and I loved it. I love it. So, yeah, look look out for it. It's um, directed by William Wyler and it is based on Washington Square, the novel, and it's an adaptation of that. Basically, she plays a spinster, the daughter of a doctor, so very well-to-do, and she lives in the shadow of her dead mother. Her mum was gorgeous, quite elegant and outgoing. She is not, and her father misses no opportunity to tell her that. So she's painfully shy, desperate to engage with the world, but has no skills whatsoever with small talk, um, very relatable. <laughs> and um, there's a fantastic scene. Like, it, it, there's so much wit to the way this is written and performed. We'll get to the way she performs it. But now there's a wonderful scene with an aunt and she's going to a party and has, well, it's black and white film, but it's a red dress and, um, you know, has this big lavish dress because, oh, my God, she's going somewhere. Again, very relatable <laughs> for those of us not going out a lot at the moment and just talking about having practised how to do small talk and just not terrified about what will happen when she goes and tries to apply her skills. And at this party, she meets Sargent, who takes a fancy to her. And after a whirlwind courtship, he asks her to marry him, much to her father's dismay, because he thinks he's a gold digger, because she has, as I said, she's quite well to do. And this guy doesn't have a job, etc. And much as her father wants to marry her off, he's also very wary of someone who would be interested in her mm. <laughs> um, for the aforementioned reasons. So the gentleman caller is played by Montgomery Clift and Olivia de Havilland plays this so wonderfully and, yeah, deserved that best actress because her a lot of it's nonverbal and her eyes just in scenes where 
she's with him and she's so desperate to make it work. And her expressions are a mix of exhilaration and abject terror. And, um, yeah, just the eye acting is wonderful and funny and warm and mm-hmm. et cetera. We've all been there. Oh, have we not? <laughs> My God. Um, yeah, it's I, – I love it. Loved it so much. So Oh, wonderful. So that's out on DVD at your local <laughs> – DVD retailer near you. Pick, Don't knock it. Pick it up while physical media is still a thing. Well, now it's time for us to dig through all the jewels and gold that are waiting there for us on SBS On Demand and pull out a couple of picks for you to watch this week. I might start us off. I am going to recommend a film. It's coming up as well. So it's um, it's something to look out, out for. So I'm doing this a little bit today, but it's <laughs> called 102 Minutes That Changed America and it is about 9-11 and it is mm. one of the most powerful documentaries that I've ever watched. Wow. It's, uh, it was made for the anniversary, I think the, the uh, 10th anniversary. And what they did was they went back through the archives and found a lot of home movie footage, a lot of people, um, you know, 2001 when the planes hit the two towers, that was still a little bit before smartphones, you know, recorders, but but a lot of people still that they had that instinct and they pulled out their handy cam and just sort of filled out, filmed out their window because they didn't really know what was going on. And then, of course, there was news crew after news crew that were out there sort of constantly filming all day and only short portions of that ever made it into any of the news bulletins. So the filmmakers here have gone back and sort of reinvestigated, you know, what was there in in that raw news footage and have edited together a chronology of that 102 minutes from the time that the first the plane hit the first tower through to the uh, towers collapsing, sort of encompassing all of that. And I just think that... Uh, 9-11 for so many of us in our generation and, you know, many generations, it, it is sort of uh, this this point at which you measure, you know, life before and after in some ways and you remember where you were when you first heard the news or, or saw those images. Out of curiosity, V, do you remember where you were on September 11th, 2001? Yeah, well, I do remember... Um I was living at home at that point and, um, yeah, just the I had gone to bed early. So, um, you know, it was sort of overnight as it was all unfolding. I think it was the late news. It was in Australia. It was starting to unfold. So, yeah, I woke up to this and just saw the, the devastation. Yeah, it, yeah, you don't forget. What about you? Yeah, I, um, I was at home. I um, was sort of still living with my parents at that point and, um had a little bedroom out in the garage and had the the late news on and um, the you know they just had those pictures of smoke billowing out of one of the towers and no one really knew what mm. had happened and they were sort of saying that that you know maybe a, a light aircraft may have accidentally hit into one of the towers and then while I was watching the second plane hit because they had the live mm. footage streaming. So, and from that point on, it became very clear that this was some deliberate attack. Yeah. And I guess sort of what this documentary captures so powerfully is that disorientation and that sort of sense of uncertainty about what is happening. Um, So, I mean, you know, I was talking about 
the Salisbury poisonings earlier and and how well it does capture you know this sense of being in the moment and and not being sure you know what has occurred and how to prevent what might may or may not happen next and you know this in documentary form i think captures a lot of the same thing even though it's sort of not really about those people in the command centers who are trying to respond it's really about the people on the streets of new york who were um trying to just make sense of what they're seeing around them. Yeah. So this is part of a, a bigger season of documentaries um, and some films that we're doing across um, the SBS main channel called Making History and covering everything from um, Einstein and, and Stephen Hawking um, through to the civil rights movement, the assassination of JFK, the uh, dropping of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, and it, mm. it is the 75th year um, anniversary of that occurring in August of 1945. So there's a lot of these iconic moments that I really would encourage people to revisit um, because they they will be there on SBS On Demand for people to sort of take in and consume because, of course, 2020 we're living through an extraordinary year in terms of history being made around us. And, you know, we always can learn so much from the lessons of the past and sort of how those who kind of guided us through those incredible periods of change in the world, how they sort of drew strength from what were very challenging circumstances, you know, and uh, and how, you know, very ordinary people figured out how to survive when, when times were very, very challenging. So, um, mm. you know, that that's a bit of a sombre note, but it's a bit of a sombre year. So, uh, yeah, um, right. Yeah. Totally and, apt. And I think, uh, and I think there is a bit of an appetite to take these, these moments to reflect on what's come before us. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my pick for this week. Yeah. Great. So it's about September 11, obviously. So it's a little way off. Is it, is it around then? When it, when will people be able to see it? Now that you've wet their appetite, it's going to be airing on the 9th of August. Okay, um, and then it'll be available on demand after that. Great. Feed. Let's um, let's head over to you. Give us your OD recommendation for the week. All right. Well, um, this one you can watch now. It has just played on SBS World Movies. Um, look, I'm going to cheer things up with a story of the Cold War and a relationship that just can't work. <laughs> but um, so like, settle in and have a chuckle. But um, no, this is the film Cold War. And um, long-time listeners of the show would know that I love it and I was raving about it back from when it was in cinemas. We had director Pavel Pavlikowski on the playlist when it was out. Um, this was in 2018, I think it was just, I think it was a Boxing Day release and it was, um, yeah, my favourite film of that year for sure. And he directed Eda, which um, we've had at SBS On Demand as well. Um, he, I think I said when I was talking about Eda a month or so ago, who knows, <laughs> in the timeline of 2020, could have been six months, I don't know. But um no one shoots black and white like him. Um, his films are just so beautiful and poetic and this is another of those. It's called Cold War. It's set in the Cold War, no surprise there, but in Poland and it's so alive with romance and sadness and music and, um, yeah, it's set over a fairly lengthy time period. It kind of skips ahead a few years throughout the course of the film but um, basically at the start of it, it's I think it's 1949 it opens in 
and um, there's a guy called Victor and his colleague and maybe lover, um, Irina. They're musicians and they're travelling the regions of Poland to record music, to record folk music specifically. That's unique to each region. So they're kind of documenting the music of Poland, which we realise um, it's all part of a kind of a government plan to capture this music and then make sort of a super group, if you will, um, of uh, like a folk music super group that will represent Poland and sing songs about the heritage and tradition and which is all very beautiful and altruistic. But, you know, you see it becomes quite a propaganda tool <laughs> as um, as the Cold War develops. So, and we see the Cold War develop through the story of this relationship that um, blooms with a singer, Zula, who Victor meets as part of this travelling recording exercise. She's a singer and she's fiery and has this voice of an angel. And, yeah, the chemistry between she and Victor is pretty something, uh, which Irina (laughs) notices pretty straight away and she's got a face like thunder and it's the best. But um, the spark between them is is incredible. And um, so their relationship is equally fiery. And um, as the group gets more into the propaganda and um, Zula becomes sort of the, she's the pin-up girl of it really because she's sort of the lead singer with this incredible voice. Their, their relationship diverges because he doesn't want to, to be part of this blooming propaganda movement. So he is on the other side of the wall. So as the, there's this love that just can't, they can't make it work. These, you know. Crazy kids. Crazy lovebirds. I know, crazy kids, they just can't. So, so it's the story of their love from opposite sides of the wall. He heads to Paris as you would, um, lives a bohemian life <laughs> in jazz clubs and has amazing sideburns. Um, yeah, so there's this contrast in the music. They're both kind of a cliche in their own way, striving for artistic authenticity. Yeah, it's – am I talking it up enough? I don't know. It's wonderful. There's so much in this, but it's also not long. Like it's a tight, I think, 80 minutes or something, but it packs – Decades in and... Yeah, wow. Yeah, I love it. And, um, yeah, go back and listen to the interview with Pavel Pavlikowski um, once you've seen it. Because he also, as he said then, it's based on his parents, <laughs> two crazy kids who couldn't make it work and he was the kid in the middle. But, um, yeah, it's just this push-pull and it's a bit of a metaphor as well, but you can work that out for yourself. Yeah. And I'm really keen now to hear the soundtrack. Yes. Mix of Polish folk and... Hot jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a party. (laughs) That's a party I wouldn't go to because there's a pandemic on. But um, yes, a Zoom party. Let's have one. No. Yes, that's Cold War and you need to watch it. I've been talking about it for two years and I won't stop. And it's now at SBS On Demand. Wonderful. Well, I think that's um, that's about it for our show and our batteries have managed to last. So um, <laughs> make sure you 
Listen and subscribe to SBS The Playlist wherever you get your podcasts and give us a lot of stars and leave us a nice review because it helps people to find the show. And you can let us know what you thought of the movies and TV shows we discussed on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. I'm on Twitter at Ben Nguyen TV. I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fifi. And The Playlist is produced by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.